Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. In this episode, I'm joined with Paul Hart from Apple to Oranges Podcast. We are talking with comic book writer Tom King and artist Elsa Chartier about their new comic, their creator-owned Love Everlasting. And like, seriously, um, I, I was super stoked to talk with Tom and Elsa about this comic book. They sent us the issues for this, basically the first trade. So we got to read the first five issues. And it's fantastic. Like, if you look at the cover, it just looks like a romance comic. But in this story is like this crazy kind of like Groundhog's Day meets Quantum Leap meets a romance novel. And it is a wild ride. This book is from Image Comics. Like I said, it's Tom King, who's done Batman. He did Vision at Marvel. Incredible talent. And Elsa Chartier, her art is phenomenal in this book. And... Uh, so it, it's a great team. It's a great team. The synopsis for this one, in Love Everlasting, Joan Peterson discovers that she is trapped in an endless, terrifying cycle of romance, a problem to be solved, a man to marry, and every time she falls in love, she's torn from her world and thrust into another teary saga. This one's going to hit comic book shops uh, Wednesday, August 10th. Uh, you can go to your local LCS. You can add it to your pull list. You can purchase it online. There's many places where you can purchase it online. And, you know, we talk about this in the episode, but, like, a lot of people ask, like, when should I start reading comics? And, like, where should I start? Like, start with this one. Like, I do have a feeling, like, we talk about this. Like, it, it, this could be, like, the next big thing because, you know, it's already being talked about uh, being adapted into a, a movie or a TV series, something like that which has me super excited since I've read it, and it seems like it's going to be a very, very fun ride. And uh, I'm, I'm ready for issue six. It's fantastic. But yes, join me and Paul Hart as we talk to Tom King and Elsa Chartier about their new book, Love Everlasting from Image Comics, hits comic book shelves August 10th. Bonus episode. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftover. And you the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Excited to talk with you guys. Super yeah. excited. This is incredible. Oh, I'm, I'm turning in the final letters to this uh, Riddler issue I've been writing, so I'm all super nervous. I just pressed the button on it. So if you see nervousness on my face, it's because of that. There's something more nerve-wracking than turning in the final letters and things like 100,000 people are going to be looking at you. Oh. <laughs> that excites me so much. I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, so it's awesome to hear that there's more Riddler in the future. Yeah, yeah. There is a bunch more Riddler with this this project Mitch and I are working on now. It's just it's it's a very big project. It's taken so much work, <laughs> but, but I think I'm done. I think I'm finally done. So we'll see. Awesome. Um, and then I still have to do another lettering pass and then write a script today. So it's going to be a busy day. We'll get it done. Wow. Well, only only ten more pages of the script. Shouldn't be so bad. <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> I'm Brian, and uh, I'm in Illinois, and uh, about two hours south of Chicago, and Paul is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
oh, I wore the right hat. I'm fucking already nailing this. Great. <laughs> I wore my most Midwestern hat. My wife, my wife is from outside of Illinois, but north in the, the, the far north suburbs. Okay. Yeah. Of Chicago. Time out. Taking a time out here real quick because I want to let people know that I'm about to talk about a poster that I have behind me as we're recording that they can see on the Zoom call. And it's a 18 by 24 poster that I purchased of one of the covers of Love Everlasting, and it's hanging behind me. So I point that out to Tom and Elsa here. Time in. I didn't know if you could see the poster behind me. Oh. Oh, that's awesome. That looks so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, that, that's not where it's going to hang, but I thought for today it would be fitting. But, of course, my big head <laughs> takes up, you know. But yeah. Yeah. It came out It came out great. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I love the poster. Oh, I wish I had it. I don't have a poster. I'm so now I'm jealous. Yeah, I had. Yeah, uh, you 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 haven't gotten comped comps. Sorry. Uh, no, I haven't gotten the poster comp. Someday oh. I'll steal it from a store when they're not looking. I'll yeah. just go in and like, maybe you should ask Image. You might have not have asked. I might not have asked. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I just walked into in my, you know, LCS and took it off the wall and walked out. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. That's my plan to yeah. see great minds. Yeah. <laughs> They'll tweet out. See, what weird thing happened? Tom King came in and started stealing shit. It was bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is mine and this is mine. All right. <laughs> I wrote this. Okay. Uh, yeah. Super excited to talk with you both today about this book. I, I wanted to let you know that, um, and this is true. I put this on my pull list last last month. Oh, sweet! Oh, so I, thank you. I had no idea that I was going to be talking with you today, but I was just like, okay, this is interesting. I love the cover, and honestly, I wish I hadn't read the synopsis before I read the book, because <laughs> that's an experience that I know Paul can talk about because that's how he went into it. So, yeah. Paul, so Paul, it's the. It's the better way to start this series, definitely. But we kind of we have to talk about it a little, at least. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things. It's like I want people to reserve this book because I absolutely loved it. Um, and yeah, I would like to hear kind of like how can we hook our audience? Like, why should they reserve a copy? Why should why should Love Everlasting be you know on their pull list month to month? Oh, Tom, I think you're. In a better place uh, to explain. I mean, uh, number one, it's gorgeous. It's one of those beautiful books on a shelf. It's got incredible art. So if you're an art fan, this is the place to be. Um, I mean, that's first and foremost. Uh, number two, I mean, I, I think it is, I mean, this to me, I mean, if you want just a short summary, it's, it's, I'm trying to do with this what Neil Gaiman did with Sandman. So if you're a fan of sort of, incredible epic fantasy that really tries to sort of touch at the meaning of all things from story to life. Um, if you're looking for something that's super ambitious and will be a long, around for a long time, that'll touch your lives. It'll be in the world. And, and this is the book for you. It's my first creator own, and it's maybe the most ambitious project I've ever worked on. And, and I, and, and I'm utterly in love with it. So from that point of view, if you're just looking for the next big thing, I think uh, this is what we're trying to make it to be. Um, and then, I mean, the third thing is it's, it's just, a, it's, it's an awesome story. It's, it's a, it's a fun ride. It's, it's, it's a romance story. It's a horror story. It's a fantasy story. Um, it's a, it's a story about a woman who's trapped inside stories and trying to get out. It's cool. Um, 
Definitely, and when you, you know you were talking about the art, and of course, you know it's not my place to talk about the art, you know per se, but talking about my experience on the book, which I hope um, read through when you read the series, is like when we started uh, talking about Love Everlasting as an ongoing series, I was kind of a bit worried about the the ongoing aspect of it because I was scared of. Um, becoming bored of it because the longest I've worked on a book was nine issues maybe. And that was a choice, like deliberate choice because I was, you know, I need new things in my life all the time. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of like that. And I was, I, I would rather leave a book before I become bored with it. But, you know, um, the the, good, the fantastic thing with Love Everlasting is that we can try things out with storytelling, with, you know, changing things up, um, changing whether it's clothing styles or era. Because the way that Tom has uh, constructed the story with Joan being bumped around in different comics not only allows for new takes with every issue, but um, or sometimes multiple times per issue, actually, but actually calls for it. So we go from the States in the 50s to later in the 70s to World War I France. It's all very different and very exciting. So this means there is a bit of research at the start of every issue to make sure that I come up with um, my own interpretation of the time period. But it's extremely fulfilling creatively. And I think as a reader, I hope that you know, come through, come through, sorry. And it's not, you know, the style. I mean, if you really pay attention, you'll notice that the storytelling changes with every issue, sometimes um, subtly and sometimes more dramatically. So I think that's a plus when, you know, you talk about the book is that it, it's every issue is very different from the previous one. A hundred percent. I mean, I was reading it and I was like, this feels like an anthology, but there's like this overarching plot that's going on in the background and with each issue it kind of changes like I loved the first issue when I was reading the love story between her and George and then all of a sudden we get a brand new cover and I'm just like wow and you go all out it's like the even the lettering is changed from and the style and like and the uh, colors too the colors too yeah absolutely like the sometimes we'll go back into like the old west and you'll see kind of like this you know orange kind of like hue or whatever like it, the panels change i never got confused especially like in the fifth issue where it's like bouncing back and forth between different time periods i never got confused as to like oh, where good. i am and that's that's very good a hundred percent you elsa that's a hundred percent you and like, oh no! It's you know it's 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 Tom and I. You know when you have a script that doesn't make any sense, especially when you have changes in you know uh-huh. the storytelling, when you go from one comic to the next, all that stuff. If it's written badly or not well thought out, the artist sometimes can save it, but most of the time not. It's a collaboration between Tom and I. Okay. Well, I and I, I want to know a little bit more about like that creative process. Was it something where? Tom gives you an idea of like what he wants certain characters to look like. Like, this is what I want Joan to look like. And this is what I want the cowboy to look like. Or was it basically like you ran with it? Like you created these characters um, as far as like the look, the aesthetic look, how they're going to look from issue to issue. Oh, no, uh, Tom, you know, it's something that I really appreciate working with you is that you 
leave your artist complete, complete, full creative freedom. And that's my great. laziness coming through. Yes. No, no, it's not that. You know, it's not that. It's just you work with artists that you trust and you、uh, leave them room to express themselves. So I never had any, you know, directions when it comes to design. When it comes to anything visually, it was a hundred percent up to me, which I, you know, I like it that way, so it works out fine.、Um, But when it comes to character design, I don't really consider myself a, a gifted character designer. Like you know, some artists will draw pages and pages of characters just for fun, and I personally struggle with that. But when I lock into a story, I'm finding it much easier, you know, to come up with the characters to to work in that story. And for Joan, the the challenge was that. Since we'd be following her through different stages of her life and different historic period, her hairstyle would change dramatically according to the fashion of the time in the book, in the comic that we're in. And hair is such a、um, defining element in the character design, especially with a cartoony style like mine, when I have very little detail to begin with. So. I came up with the idea of having her hair always parted at the center, no matter the hairstyle、uh, that she has, in the hope that it would provide some sort of、um, continuity throughout her many, many different hairstyles. And I think that did the trick.、Um, so when it comes to yeah, when it comes to Joan, I was able to come up with that and. For character design, the other trick, and it's something that I've been focusing on very lately, in, especially, especially in the second arc, is that Joan, and that's a bit of a spoiler here, is getting older. So I've done a lot of sketching and figuring out how to age a character in a cartoony style, and you'd think that's easy, but that's actually really hard. Because when a face, you know, ages, it's not just the wrinkles. Otherwise, you look like a, an old baby. It's you know, <laughs> the, the the ears get get bigger, the nose get wider, the lips get thinner, and in a cartoonish style,、uh, you still have to maintain that continuity between the character that, as a reader, you've encountered in the first issues with that. Older version of that same woman, so that's been a huge challenge in that arc, but very, very、um, interesting and new for me. I never got to do that before. We'll see. I, I, I've noticed that the character has changed throughout、uh-huh. each issue, and so, and I like that you point out like the part in her hair because there was one issue where we're introduced to a character, and I'm like, is this? <gasps> you noticed that? I was like,、yeah. I was like, and so I was like, is this? T- no, okay, okay. Oh no, spoilers though. But I'm glad that、right. it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, that's good.、Yeah. I, I I figured no one's gonna notice it. It's gonna you know fall flat. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Great. Um, I do have a question about what you were talking about with your research because the art. Is just it, it's absolutely so amazing, and I feel like I'm in specific timelines. Like I felt like I was in wartime France. I felt like I was in a Downton Abbey style house with、uh, the characters. When you talk about research,、uh, like would you look at like photographs from those time periods? Would you look at like different art styles to try to incorporate them? Because you definitely get a feel that you're in a completely different type of place here. Oh,、uh, well, not 
Not too much, honestly. I do like references, um, but I very quickly get bored at the looking up stuff online. This is really not my thing. I get bored so fast. And I'm not trying to get historically accurate anyway. You know, first of all, it's a comic. And more than that, it's a comic that plays on the tropes of romance, which I think we can say where, or at least we can say today, um, are kind of caricatures of human interactions. So what you want to nail is the feeling of the era. You know, most definitely, you want to feel like you're in a, uh, England in, during the Victorian era or in France, World War I. Um, but, you know, that can be done with a bit of cult- general culture and a tiny bit of research. And also remember that a comic book production schedule is insane, so I don't really have time to dilly-dally too much on research anyway, but um, a lot of it is just a general idea of the era, and then coming up with my own interpretation of it. Awesome, thank you. Uh, I... (laughs) Reading the uh, first issue, I wanted to let you know my experience in reading it. Um, I was just... Once we get to the second story, and there's like this moment of like remembering bits and pieces of the previous story, but now bleeding into like a a whole new romance story taking place, I believe in like the late 60s, early 70s with Mm -hmm. Kit. And I just love like, (laughs) I love like, the man. (laughs) I just love reading like, wait, George? Oh, wait, Kit? And just the confusion there. I'm like, there's something to this. And then by the time we get to the third story and it ends with that final panel, I don't laugh out loud at comic books a lot. I've done it maybe with a Matt Fraction book here and there, but I audibly laughed out loud. Not like the LOL that I would text my friend when they say something semi-funny. I mean, I literally belly laughed when I read that final panel in the first issue, I was like, we are in for a ride here. This is going to be fun. Yeah, There is definitely a, an element, a big element of surprise with each issue. And that thing that's the burst out laughing is the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to know, like, cause I'm, when I'm reading it, I'm thinking like, man, there's elements of, I feel like there's, and I could be out of place here, but there's like elements of quantum leap because she's leaping into different time periods. Uh-huh. There's like elements of like almost like memento because she's not remembering everything, but sometimes she's remembering more maybe as she's going uh-huh. further down this process. But I mean, there's uh, all these different kind of like stories that I feel like that you've pulled from and put them into this book and it just blends so well. It's like, it's familiar, but then it's like this new story because you've got this, and I love the cowboy. Like, I'm totally intrigued by the cowboy. You know, love is Especially ever... Especially after issue, issue three, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, issue three, that was, that was fantastic. But yeah, um, I just like all the different stories. It feels like an anthology, but there's like this thread, there's this mystery, and that's what keeps me coming back reading issue to issue and not getting bored with it at all. Especially like n- issue number four was such a like wonderful kind of like break from everything. It got really, it was one of the most beautiful issues of comics I've read issue four, because it felt very real with everything that was going on with this soldier of Dane and like, you know, some of like, he's a completely different person by the end. I feel than what we met at the beginning where he's like, hoorah, ready to go into the war. And by the end, it's like he's accepting his fate. And it was it was really a touching issue. 
Well, that's the the magic of Tom. Tom's magic. You know, he will distract you with a concept that's very entertaining, very intriguing, and then the the two pan two two panels uh, um, of the next. You know, you, you two panels after that, you're like, it's he's breaking your heart, <laughs> and I experience that as I draw it. So, yeah, I mean, issue four is a, is, a, is a World War One story. I, I wrote my college thesis on soldiers, British soldiers in World War One, and spent I don't know, like months in these in in, the, in these little archives reading old soldier stories um, uh, for for the thesis. Just oh, like reading uh, memoirs and, and 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 diaries. So I was I was just flashing back to my college years and remembering all those kids who sort of fought in that completely senseless war. So that was. Um, it, it, it was it was fun to be like okay we're telling this big you know this romance horror story but I can take this little piece of my life where I spent you know a, a few months with these soldiers and 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 put it into this into this book. Yeah, it, it was it was like I kept waiting for you know the next story to start and I was like no we're staying here and I liked it I really enjoyed that issue quite a bit it really stuck with me. Thanks, I'm, I'm glad you laughed at the first one because it's uh, the. The first one is such a setup. It's such a classic, like late night TV talk show joke, right? It's like setup, 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 punchline. You know, it's it's very much like it's like a Garfield comic strip in my head. You know, yeah. it's like you experience. You know, Garfield says something normal in the first panel, and the second one it's a little off, and in the third one it breaks the pattern entirely. And so it really is sort of a, a setup joke. Oh and, yeah. Um, well, there was huge payoff, like yes. because you did lead us down that road, and it's like. Oh, oh, she's just falling more and more in love, and they're falling more in love, and then by the then it's just like that last panel. I just died. So but it it comes from like this. I mean, this whole thing started with me reading these romance comics, and just because romance comics used to be this huge part of comics, used to be a, a quarter of our industry um, up until about 1974, and and they, they sold millions and millions of copies, like. Stan Lee has written more romance comics than Spider-Man comics. That's a crazy thing, but just it's bizarrely true. Like, he was still writing My Love in 1972 after he had left Amazing Spider-Man because wow. those comics were still selling. Um, so I was, I was like, I was like, what is this pile of... I've never read them. And so I started reading them, and, you read, and there's, there's, th- there's usually three to four stories per comic. There's probably about 10,000 of these that were published. Or they're, you know, probably, yeah, something like somewhere between five and 10,000. So it's literally like 30,000 stories. And so I'm just, re- and, and once you read them, you start to realize like they all blend together and all feels like, because it's all, not, not 90% of them are written by men in their 50s trying to project themselves into teenage girls. And so like, be, because of that, they start to blend together. You know, there's not a lot of nuance to each person. And it starts to feel like it's one woman's story over and over again. And I was like, and I remember thinking like, who is this poor woman who has to live this life where she's like, every time she falls in love with getting married, she falls into a different dilemma for 10,000 times. I was like, what a bizarre. And then, yeah, then I, then I start going off on, you know, quantum leap goes in my head from, from watching that too much as a kid and, uh, and groundhog day. Groundhog day yeah. And, and I was like, Oh, this is, this is something like, that's not just 
that's not just a bizarre experience. That's a trap. That's something horrible. That's something you have to get out of and find out why the world is designed that way. I definitely uh, thought of Groundhog's Day, too, because I was like, okay, she's learning how to shoot a gun. She's learning a skill yeah, that right. may come in handy, <laughs> just like Bill Murray was learning all those skills that came in handy, playing the piano and all these right. things. And I was like, these might be things throughout time, like skills that she learns that might help her along the way in like whatever kind of insane loop she's going through. So... I, I definitely thought of Groundhog's Day too, and like I have a you know a huge place in my heart for that movie, so it definitely connected to me reading this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think that's what Joan realizes as we go on um, is how uh, she can use the trap to empower herself. That's what you see, especially in issue you know two and four, where she's sort of she's not just a victim of this thing. She can she can use it to um, to make herself awesome in a way that she can sort of fight back against where she is and, and, and discover more. But of course, the trap being the trap, it fights back. So that's the whole story. This is, is sort of the, the, go, the, the tug and pull between her and where she is and her location. Um, and it's supposed to be the metaphor for all of us. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I wrote this at the height of the pandemic. And I mean, any, anyone who was in that, it just started to seem like every day was like the one before and tomorrow would be the same as that. And there's just this, this sense of sort of like, are we growing or are we stuck? I mean, it was very much taken from this sort of moment in time where it does feel like, I don't know, when I grew up, it felt like there was progress. We we're going forward in time. Now it feels like we're stuck in something. So it just sort of stems from all of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How many, you talked about how... Um, this is going to be very much like it feels like it's going to be an expansive kind of epic story. Do you have an issue count in mind, or is that still kind of? It, it, it I mean, it's a thrill to write, and I want to keep writing it as long as Elsa's willing to draw it. It's always my answer. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we we started talking about you know thirty thirty five issue something like that. We'll see. You know, yeah. um, it's an ongoing series is new for for the both of us. So we'll see how that goes. You know, um, I cannot ignore the toll that drawing an ongoing series will be at some point. <laughs> right now, it's fine because I, I've had some time to work on the on the eight first issues, uh, but the schedule is going to accelerate, so it's going to become harder and harder. Well, that's the thing. It's like if if the love for the comic book is there, then the fans of the book will wait for it. I mean, look at what, you know, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples have done with Saga. And yeah, but Saga is not, it's uh, like, a, it's an anomaly. It, the, the, the one mistake that you can do as a comic book creator is fashion your project mm. or career um, to mirror <laughs> yeah. Saga or, yeah. because it's, or The Walking Dead. Yeah. It's, uh, there are anomalies. And, uh, m- most other comics don't work that way. <laughs> yeah, not, not every comic is a saga, or you're absolutely right. Um, do you have, I was going to ask Tom if you had an ending in mind for this, or is that something, like, I know some writers have an ending, and then it's just like, you know, filling in all the gaps to get to that ending, or is the ending something that you're going to come up with? later on down the road? I mean, it's an excellent question. Yeah, I, I, I do have the ending. Uh, it's, it's all sort of mapped out. I know exactly what's going on to Joe and what she's doing. I very much, when I started this out, didn't want it to be lost, you know, where it's sort of, what's the mystery and how do they get... 
I also didn't want it to be Gilligan's Island, where it's kind of like, oh, they didn't get off the island. It's so boring. Uh, it, it, it can't be about whether they get off the island. It's about exploring the island. Um, so yes, I, I came up with 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 a very detailed. I've been, we, you know, we're, uh, we're 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 obviously doing a lot of Hollywood stuff with this, and that was one of the things I had to, you know, I wasn't going to pitch Hollywood without saying I had an ending in mind. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 mapped out, and 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 what it is 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 cool and bizarre and wonderful. I could definitely see this being adapted into like a series or something. You yes. know, it's it feels like it could be very episodic and. Yeah, I was already like doing fan casting in my head for Joan and the Cowboy. Can you, ima- can you imagine the production design for a show like that? That would be amazing. Oh, I know, I know, <laughs> absolutely. I I was thinking, I was like, oh, Timothy Oliphant is the Cowboy. Oh, he's done it too many times, so maybe not, maybe not him. But you know, yeah, the production design on this show would just be huge because it's just. You're bouncing all over time. It's so expansive. Each issue just feels like a completely different read sometimes. It's, it's very fun. You never get bored. So it's like if you have a short attention span, don't worry about it. it the <laughs> book is ever evolving. <laughs> that, was, th- that was me in a nutshell, Brina. I didn't know, uh, you know, Brian messaged me saying he had this opportunity to chat with the two of you. And, of course, I'm going to jump on it especially being a huge, uh, you know, fan of your previous work, being the Batman guy here. But um, being oh, a teacher, being a teacher and a, and a single dad, I haven't had a lot of time to get into comics. And he sent me, you know, the issues and I didn't do any, I didn't read any synopsis. And at first I'm like, Brian, man, like, this is really cool, but it's just a love story. I don't know if this is <laughs> right yet. I don't know if this is for me. Brian, are you okay? <laughs> Reading love stories. Like I, like, I mean, like I, I, I was into it, but I'm like, oh, you know, maybe this isn't just, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of like issue number one, you get like that cover, like another cover page. So I'm like, Oh, there, there, there's stuff like, where's George. And then just, a, there was really small things. I noticed where characters are cursing, but it's being censored out. But Joan is just full out dropping, you know, the F bomb. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot more here to this. And then, you know, I'm telling Brian, like, I need, I need issue six now. Like I just, I couldn't put it down last night. I picked it back up this morning and I will like, I kind of love that experience going in blind and just being completely surprised by this. It was a real fun, like it was just something I never expected. And I just need a lot more of it. Like I need a lot more of Penny's do's and don'ts of dating in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the trick with that book. If we can get readers to like read past the first 12 pages, we've got them for the next 30 issues, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You got me. Cause it was was a ride. It's the hardest sell on the book. Um, But I mean, mean, I've had this problem before. I mean, I had this problem on, on Mr. Miracle um, where you can't tell people the actual pitch of the book of what the book's actually about until they read the first issue because the, the, the pitch of the book is the first issue. So you're like, yeah, it's a nice romance comic. And everyone's like, oh, forget, I don't want a nice romance comic. Who cares? It's going to be stupid and corny. I was like, and then they picked up like, yeah, this is stupid and corny. Great. This is exactly what I wanted. But I was like, no, no, no. It's stupid and corny for a reason. That's It's stupid and corny. So then we could t- take the stupid and corny and turn it into this horrible fantasy thing. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's been a, as you said, a marketing thing. It's been a real problem to sort of be like, yeah, it's a stupid romance, but also it's the exact opposite of that. It's both things at once. 
It's totally like it just deconstructs these romance comics and like there's like this fourth wall breaking stuff going on and 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 there's there's murder it's it's absolutely it's like this comic does like for like you know like what uh the the zombie archie comics did for the archie series you know what i mean it's like this ain't this ain't your mama's uh romance comic like this is (laughs) there's so many uh fun things to explore within each issue so yeah. That's why I, I put an, um, an explosion on the first cover. <laughs> like, this is a hint. There are no explosions in typical romance comics, <laughs> I would think. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, it was the best surprise for me. But, and I, I do have a question. I don't know if the correct term is suitors. Uh, but is there like, <laughs> like a, that term. <laughs> is there like a suitor that each of you most like, related with? Uh, in Joan's life at all? Like, was there a lot of you that was brought out into this particular character at all? God, uh, not yet. Not yet. No. Um, I, and, and that goes to issue eight. I don't think I have sort of been like, man, this is like, this is the perfect suit. Cause I'm always looking at it from Joan's point of view where these kinds of guys are all kind of a little bit of sappy or a little, a little bit, and I hope in my my real life I'm not as sappy as. All Hopefully, it's not a tease to suitor number in the sixth book that we get. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's the sap of saps. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, really? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, I I can't say I particularly. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it, maybe even Dane gets so crushed. You know, I, I went to war twice. I didn't get that crushed. Um, uh, in ish- so. No, no, I, I can't say that I've really related to any of the suitors yet. Not, not yet. I, I very much write it from Jane's point of view, if that makes sense. Oh, no, absolutely. 44-year-old dude. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you are the same age, so... <laughs> there you go. Totally can relate to that. Uh, um, what about you? you, have, you do, have you enjoyed any of, of the suitors more than others, Elsa? Any of them more fun to draw, or you want to be like, oh, man, I want to bring this one back? Uh, I've got a special special place for Dane, because I think that, first of all, he's not as sappy as the others, as you put it, and he shows his humanity, which I think the other ones don't as much, um, because it doesn't work with their storyline and their purpose in the story. But I would say, yeah... Probably Dane. I wouldn't say that I identify with him. <laughs> Again, I, I didn't go to war, so I cannot, you know, um, empathize. I can empathize, but I cannot really relate. Um, but no, I do, I do relate to Joan, though. Um, I, 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 I like Kit from the first one um, because that's based on sort of the silliest concept of romance comics. And I just, he makes me laugh the most, which is that there's, there's a constant theme that goes through sort of these 50s, 60s, 70s things where you, you kind of present a little bit of rebellion, like, Oh, the girl's running off with the guy who's a hippie. And then at the very end, it's always revealed, Oh, he's actually a super rich guy. Who's really nice. It's, it's like, I, I, I like that. Kit is just the most corny um, embodiments of, um, that sort of 1950s, 60s aesthetic that it's okay to rebel, but no, don't rebel too far. Stay where, you know, your parents want you to be. Um, so, uh, Did you just I, describe I, I coming like to America with Eddie Murphy? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. 
that's a, I mean, that's a, that's, it's, it's, that's a constant theme, you know, it's that idea that, um, uh, you think you're rebelling, but you're actually conforming and that conforming is the way to go is like just the theme of like 50s, 60s, 70s American pop culture. I, I just love the idea that you're actually reading these romance comics and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to blow this up. <laughs> I love <laughs> I don't even, your mind goes, I mean, I write a lot of comic books, mostly superhero yeah. comic books, and I read a lot of comic books. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of my instinct is to blow things up. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't think anyone who's read any of my series thinks Tom's um, uh, n- not willing to totally blow things apart and try to put them back together i love it it's great um i mean like i said i was doing this riddler book just earlier today and boy we just blow everything up for the riddler and and it's it's a completely different bizarre take so yeah that's what that that, that's the only way to do comics yeah just or else or else you're making like i said like just like you said when you first approach this if you're not blowing things up then you're just making these kind of straight cliche romance stories that that are, I mean, because comics have been around for so long, because so many stories have written, so many stories are being written. If, if you don't challenge the cliches, if you don't um, shove them into the real world and show mm. so how, to, how the cliches reveal themselves um, to be little horrors, uh, then you're just going to make more cliches and you're just going to be ignored and you're just going to be washed away in the ocean of comics. So you kind of have to, or else there's just no reason to be doing it. You're taking a big swing with this one, and I, I mean, especially like you know, Paul reading it, thinking it's just going to be a romance comic. But I think, like, yeah, like you said, like once you get a few pages in, you start to realize what's going on. There's there was a moment I just got hooked. I have a question, like with the with the different time periods that we're going in. Are there any time periods that are like off the table? I, I mean, if, if Elsa doesn't want to draw like bubbled helmets, I won't go into the future. But it's, uh, I mean, the only things that are off the table are things that Elsa doesn't want to draw. No, I, I want to go, you know, five million years into the future. I want to go five million years into the past. Wow. Um, I want to go to medieval times and see Joan on the oh, oh, jousting. Um, I want to see Cavewoman Joan. I want to see. Uh, um, <laughs> traveling through I mean, the, the, the further is the way we go from, you know, reality or from what we know, that will mean a lot of research. <laughs> 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 Which, like I said, is not my strong suit. But no, no, I'm, you know, I'm willing to go uh, to draw stuff I've never done before. There will be a lot of design uh, involved. But no, it's exciting. As long as you provide me with stuff that I've never drawn or don't know how to draw, that's how I, that's the fun part for me. Joan floating in the void in the future. <laughs> it's going to be great. That would be fun. Well, you answered my question of, will we see Joan back in the Stone Age? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we can go anywhere. I mean, the, the core concept of the book is to... Um, is to comment upon this sort of I, I, um, utopian uh, uh, idea of the for the fifties that has kind of been lodged into the American dream, the mm. sort of Levittown, like and we we all I, I mean both on the left and the right there's there's a sort of idea that sometime you know in the past we were all living sort of this ideal life um, and we were all friendly to our neighbors and you know. And, and when I when I was growing up, you know, watching Leave It to Beaver on TV and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, it's and, and the, the idea, of course, is to to examine sort of the um, uh, the hypocrisies of that, and, yeah. and, and the idea that 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 
that a utopia can be a trap is is just as um, conniving as hell can be. Yeah, there's a dark underbelly to a lot of history that people don't want to talk about. So, yeah. All that stuff. So, so, so uh, the the focus will generally be on those sort of key mid-century American years, but we'll go, we'll go around. Uh, and, and we'll probably be in France more often because just for reference sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We've already although, been once. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I did have to look up World War I France because, you know, <laughs> I was not around. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, coming up with the... I do try to make things up when it comes to um, design, especially um, the clothes that they, they wear. You don't want to go like too obvious, you know, with the 50s dresses or like, uh, you know, the, the very typical dresses that you imagine. Because if there are, I think it's the, it's been the, the thread throughout this conversation. If you're not surprising, especially with something that draws on cliches so much, then people assume that it's the cliche of the of the book that you thought it would be. Um, when it comes to cl- to clothes, it's basically the same thing. You know, it's you 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 have to come up with your own or my own, I guess, interpretation of what fifty fifties dresses were or sixties dresses were. Um, and so that's been really interesting to tr- try and distill that sort of essence of. 50s, 60s, 70s clothes and, and, and had a little twist to it. It's not hard. It's not easy. Sorry. It's super hard. And I, I felt like on some issues I could have pushed it that more. I think uh, by like a, of time, sometimes it's just not possible to spend an extra two days on designing clothes. I wish I could, but again, it's comics. So you have to do the best that you can within the time that is, um, allowed it to 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 it but it's been really um fun trying to surprise the readers with the clothes as well absolutely and oh something that i try to do sorry it's um it's something that i i heard i think it was a production designer on you know for movie sets talking about um putting a realistic set together for a home let's say a home that is set in the 60s for example i'm guessing that if you look around in your home you have furniture that you have inherited or that you bought 10 years ago not everything is of the era that you live in mm-hmm. and so when you want something that's realistic and that looks like a real home and not everything has just been bought it's interesting to say oh this was passed down from her grandfather or grandmother or something like that so i've tried in the second arc to do that uh to have some pieces of furniture not clothes so much but pieces of furniture that date back to like 10 or 20 years prior same with cars some cars are not from that specific era because you know you don't keep your car for a couple of years you keep it for 10 15 years so it's been interesting to find that balance of what I was mentioning about the caricature of the era, but slowly moving towards something that's a bit more realistic and that things age and you don't just replace them. 
Yeah, it's just like, uh, oh, okay, we're setting it in 1965. Everything has to be of that year. So it's not, it's yeah. just not how it works. Right. So it worked for the first arc because we were very much in that caricature of mm-hmm. the era. But for the second arc, we're entering something very different in terms of the storytelling, in terms of where Joan is. There is a real evolution in the storyline, in, in Joan's storyline. And so I felt like there needed to be some changes in adapting on that front, too. I, I love as I'm reading and a new story starts up with a different romance. It's like trying to get my bearings on like, where are we now? Who is this new character? And it, Yeah, like, you have the figuring out part. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. And uh, some of the art is very revealing. And then like, yeah, it does feel like a quantum leap episode where, you know, it's like, where is Sam next? Like, you know, at the end of the episode, he says, oh, boy. And like, we get those oh, boy moments at the end of each of these comics leading into the next issue. Like, okay, all right, here's some clues. Where are we going next issue? It's a lot. I think fans of like, you know, Quantum Leap and and uh, uh, definitely Groundhog's Day, those types of stories, which I think those types of stories have been really hot lately in Hollywood. We've seen Russian Doll. We've seen all these different types of, you know, Groundhog's Day type stories. Um, even Tom Cruise did one with that. Uh, what was it? Live, yeah, die, die, die Another Day. Die, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did one. Edge of Tomorrow or something. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. That's- so, yeah. But uh, I, I think if people love those types of stories, they're going to love this book. And um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of those types of stories. So I'm, I'm really digging it. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. That, uh, you know, having, having gone through the Hollywood machine a few times, this was a very easy pitch. <laughs> like it was like, Oh, it's something different, but something new. It's that that's, that's the best thing to go into. It's nice to be fought over instead of fighting to be something like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it was it was super fun yeah this is one of those ideas that once i had it i was like oh yeah this is i mean i remember i was just at the dining room table and i was just like oh yeah that if if i could pull this off because elsa sort of said okay here the here's like i want to do this i want to do this to so put the barriers on so i, was, I knew it was like in the barriers and i was i think i was like literally just talking to my daughter and i was like oh what if okay yeah yeah that works it was like almost like it was just two seconds because the pitch is so simple um and uh and and like Elsa said, man, that makes it so easy that when I write, you know, uh, a kitchen in the 50s, she just makes it turn into something poetic. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just a joy to work on. Super easy to do and super fun. Jeez. Well, how did how did you how did you and Elsa like get together on this book? Did you approach her? Was it? Uh, uh, no, she she reached out to me via DM on Twitter. So when we say Twitter's never done anything good, it did one thing good. So at least, <laughs> uh, yeah, she she DM me on Twitter. She's like, hey, do you want to do creator owned? And I said, you know, like when when mana falls from heaven, you catch it. So I just said yes. I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't rocket science. Oh, that's awesome! An amazing artist asks um, for you, and then we we uh, and then we talked about what to do, and then we came with the idea, and. Then, we executed it yeah i guess i was just expecting like one of those amazing like you know stories like we're reading in each of these <laughs> issues where like people meet and it's just oh this and but yeah it's just simple as a twitter dm message that's awesome well, that's the good thing about comics and setting up project it's it's it doesn't have to be hard most yeah. of the time it's really easy you're just like i want to work with this person that would be right. fun yeah yeah and since they're it may be because there isn't that much money involved in comics, uh, so things are easier. 
uh, try to do the same in you know Hollywood, then it's the the stakes are different, and so it becomes a lot more harder to move people. Um, in comics, there's at maximum there it's a it's a four people team. You just have to get approval from four people, and there you have a comic. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it it seems simple in retrospect, but to me, it was a big deal at the time because I've never done this. Is my first creator owned I've ever done. This is my first image book. This is my first non DC book since mm. the Vision. It's my first ongoing book since the Batman, um, which is now you know that's now three four years of, of doing miniseries. Um, so yeah, it was it was a leap in a different direction than I was going, but everyone was telling me to leap in that direction. So like you know, like I had Ed Brubaker and yelling at me at a con being like what are you doing you gotta you gotta not work for corporate overlords for 10 <laughs> seconds and, and, and do something for yourself um so yeah it's, 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 it's it, to me it's a completely new world and it's 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 pretty awesome i think i came at the right time like if i if i dm'd you like two months after someone else would have would have you know asked you to do a creator owned it was just a matter of time Good timing for me, but it would have it would have worked out that way for you too, eventually. Oh, I don't think that. I don't know if that would be true, Elsa. I, I that no, yeah, I I, I, w- I didn't say yes because of the timing. I said yes because of who you are and who your art and, and what your art is. I don't I don't want to down downplay. I, I I feel like if I set up the story like that, oh, she just it, it, no, it was it wasn't that I got the DM at that time. It was that I got a DM from Elsa at that time, and it, oh, it, she, she was she was an artist that. Um, I think it'd be awesome to work with. See, there and I is. Think a- I, I tricked you. I tricked you into thinking that creator-owned comics were easy to. <laughs> They're not. They're so hard. Oh my god! And Elsa, Elsa does the majority of, of the work. We get what well, we get thirty emails a day. I feel like on various things. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a whole new world from my being coddled at DC Comics. That's yeah, but what... also, you know, now you're able to do what you want. No one telling you you can do this, you cannot do that. You have to do this at that time on that issue, not before, not after. <laughs> you can do what you want. That's it's true. worth the, the the extra effort or trouble, in my opinion. It is nice to own it, you know, having made Sheriff of Babylon so many years ago, uh, another project I love with Mitch, and we have no ownership or control over it, even though we created all the characters and situations and stuff. So it's, oh, it's that very would nice. Oh, keep me awake at night. Yeah, it's it's... It's it, we have that Watchmen deal that Al Moore doesn't like. We have that like as long as it's still in print or makes mm. it's, it's something ridiculous. It's like if it makes five hundred dollars in profit a year or something. So or people are like, I just bought Sheriff. I'm like, no, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Let it go into obscurity <laughs> so we can have the rights back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if like three people buy it, they keep the rights for another year. Yeah, that one of the selling points for me is I was like, oh wow, this is written by Tom King and it's with Image. Like I, I was, I didn't, <laughs> I had never seen that before so i was like okay i've got to try this out this is this is something that he owns this is his story i really want to read this so that was definitely i think that's going to be a selling point for a lot of people when they're looking at you know the solicitations you know for for september they're going to be like okay this is this is tom king yeah i definitely got to get on this oh no it comes the book comes out in is it august august, august yeah so solicitations for august so yeah, I think I think that that was the biggest selling point for me is the fact that you're the writer on this and just like and the artwork on the cover really did grab me to the point where I bought the poster and it's hanging on my wall. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that poster. 
That, it was a struggle to make that poster. I came up with seven oh ideas. They were all shit. And then Elsa just sent me an idea that was perfect. I was like, oh, why am I even trying? This stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a rehash from the cover for issue one that we couldn't make work. Uh, I let it sit for a while and then and it ended up as a, as a store poster. Well, I'm, I'm really happy that you two found each other and are doing this book because it is definitely something that I'm going to be getting from month to month. And uh, it's yes. going to be at the top of my pull list every month. I'm going to be sitting down and reading the next issue. And um, yeah, I think you're going to build up a lot of uh, faith with the, the fan base that start reading this. I think they're going to. And they're, that's why I want people to get in on this from the jump. People ask the question all the time, like, when should I start reading? Well, like, what comic book should I start reading? Well, this one right now. Yep. Read, read Love Everlasting. This is a good one. It's, it hasn't even come out yet. You can talk to your local comic book shop or you can get online and buy it. And this is the comic book to start out, out with. Like issue number one, Love Everlasting. Like that's how you can get into comic books. Um, and so and it's not all superheroes all the time. I love that stuff too. But like this is something, something different. And, and so, yeah, people should definitely be adding this to their pull list. It's, it's a fantastic book. This is the time to read comics. And it's also the time to grab a bunch of incredible covers because we have got like an array of incredible comic book uh, cover artists for, for issue one. Uh, some of them incentive covers, and it's been like an incredible joy receiving those covers in our inboxes. And then, you know, I can't wait to see them printed. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, as, as a guy who, 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 who I, I know Elsa said earlier that we're not supposed to, you know, to use Saga and, and uh, Walking Dead as, um, as, as influences, right? Because you should never do that because you're just going to get your heart crushed. But I'm, I'm a guy who gets his heart crushed in comics. I'm always trying to make the next Watchmen. I mean, my first series of Omega Man was just like a fucking photocopy of Watchmen. <laughs> like, uh, uh, that, that's, so I'm, I'm constantly making that mistake. And, and, and I mean, and, and our, our attempt here is to do something as big as Saga. Not, not, not that we can do it, but that we're going to try. So if you want to get on the ground floor and get like a first edition of something, um, to get to get that that first of something that that's going to be a it's going to be a tv show it's going to be a thing uh, trust me like this is your chance to get on the ground floor because that, that's that's the best thing comics do at least in my too many years of experience in this is that you are ahead of the curve of the entire population of the world mm-hmm. you are you if you're a comic fan you're seeing what pop culture is going to be like in 10 15 30 years you're at you're at you're at the front gate and and and, and here's another chance to get in on that to be to be the first one in line to see something before the rest of the world becomes obsessed with it it's not gonna it's so true. I mean, yeah, I, it, it's one of those things. You never know what comic's going to blow up. And, you know, I started reading Saga from issue one. I have, you know, first print copy, and I'm so glad. Ah, damn I, you. I wish I had done that. I got the first trade. <laughs> it was Walking Dead. I got that first trade with the more art and everything. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Tom, I didn't want to brag. I actually have six copies of the uh, Saga. Oh, first print. okay. Fancy, fancy, fancy. I, uh, I was like, what is this? Romeo and Juliet in space. No one's going to love this. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, definitely get get your hands on this book. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you never know what's going to blow up. And it, I mean, think about the new Thor movie that just came out. That was literally a Jason Aaron comic about 10 years ago. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, get that first appearance of gore. I mean, yeah, comic books, it, it, definitely Hollywood is looking to comics 
as like a form of entertainment and like that's a direction that they're going and there's some great comic book writers out there they're pulling from horror they're pulling not only from superheroes but they're pulling from science fiction fantasy i mean so yeah this is definitely the comic to jump in on i really want you guys to i want this to blow up i think I, yes. I would love to see this comic book blow up. I would love to see a lot of people get the. I would love to see this comic book sell out like the first, you know, the first run, and then you're ordering the second, second printing, third printings, and you know, um, from your lips. The, the one thing we can offer you that Saga can't. The one thing that we we, we have over over Brian is is, is uh, Elsa's already on issue eight. So you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get a year's worth of monthly comics out of this comic. There will not be delays for the first, yeah, there you for go. the first year. You're gonna get a good nice. monthly comic. This is, when you put this on your sub, it's gonna be it's gonna be there in the next month because we're we're way in the bank on this one. Thank, yeah. Thanks to some hard work by Elsa. Elsa, your artwork is it's phenomenal. So great. It's phenomenal. So um, thank you. I know that like, this you were talking about the longest you'd gone is nine issues. Um, I mean, I think I can say for me and Paul. Uh, yeah, if you would, you can go as long as you want to on this book. Please. So, and <laughs> I won't be dropping I'll it. I'll do my best. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> and it, it's just so exciting for me, too, because uh, I run a comic book club for middle school and high schoolers. And when we come back to school for my seniors, we will definitely be examining the first issue of this. And I know they're going to be pumped because it's just going to blow their minds of what are you making us read? And then they'll be like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's get, let's get issue two right now. Like, like, I, like that's the fun part with kids is they just think it's the superheroes, but they're really going to get this fun journey into Joan and a completely different type of story than they're used to. So I'm excited to show this to them. Oh, well, then I'm sorry I put that one fucking issue one. I apologize. Oh, they're going to love it. Oh, they're, sweet. They're going to right okay. so much. They're, they're going to be so excited. Good. I was hoping it would get banned in some states. We could have publicity out of it then for the first but. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I should hope you don't get banned over, over a fuck. Right? America is not France, Elsa, I'm telling you. <laughs> you, know, you know what my last name means? There is a, like an idiom in France, like parler, uh, parler comme un chartier, like speak like a chartier. Means like you swear all the time. That's literally oh, really? my name. Oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, I'm all in for the for the bad language. Over here we say curse like a sailor. Over there they say curse like a chartier. Yep, <laughs> that's amazing. So cool. Yeah. See, this is why I got to do a lot of French comics. We get this realism in it. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I put more swear words in my comics than most people. I mean, obviously, they're, they're <laughs> growlicks. What is it? <laughs> you don't like swear words? I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tune back. That's my dog, Roxy. She's saying hi. Uh-huh. She's upset because it's lunchtime. Really, she's upset because I have my hat on, which usually means I'm going on a walk, but it's actually just me trying to hide my baldness. But she doesn't, she doesn't understand the <laughs> distinction. Um. Yeah, I, I I put too much. I I mean I, I just I was just working on a comic where I had uh, Gordon dropping f bombs all over the place. And I was like, ooh, I don't think Gordon. <laughs> but it seems natural for James Gordon to say fuck every once in a while to me. Sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. In Gotham, you can handle a fuck. That's what that's what the when when I was reading like you know the Walking Dead comics like you know you have the f bombs and stuff like that and then the show they didn't do it. I was like, this. <laughs> 
this is not this is not my Rick Grimes. Um, yeah, this is definitely more of a, uh, an HBO show than a network than a network TV show. Oh, definitely. Please get yeah. this on HBO. HBO Max is killing it right now. If this was on HBO, that would be that would be amazing. Oh yeah. my god! I'm, I'm working on it, guys. We're I working know. on it. We're working on it. <laughs> Uh, and ple- yeah, and have them have them put based on the comic book, and you know, and because like I don't know, I don't know, if, like when it says based on the graphic novel, I know they're trying to <laughs> based on the graphic novel. It's like, come on, it's a comic book. Let's give the comic book some love here. Come on, they're not just for kids anymore. Well, yeah, I, I put that in the contract. Promise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like the term graphic novel the older I get. I like, I like comic book as the term of what I am, a comic book writer. Sometimes someone calls me a graphic novelist. I was like, oh, God, that sounds t- – no, that's not a thing. Yeah, graphic novel seems bizarre. It's, it's, <laughs> it seems like graphic novel is like a corruption of another thing. We, we're our own thing. Yeah, don't be ashamed. It's, it's like that you can really see the difference when you talk to people, especially – like in France, where there, where there is that, you know, it's true for, for, for the States as well. But when you say that you work in comics, people are like, hmm. and then you say graphic novels. Oh, interesting. Uh, suddenly, the, the tone is very different. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying that, you know, like, I, you know, you're, if you're a janitor saying that you're like a sanitary engineer, it's just like putting that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> are we the janitors of like... Sequential storytelling. No, no, no. Is that what you're trying to say? No, and we're proud. We're proud of our (laughs) our working class roots. Clean up those floors. Blue colors all the way. Uh, 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 That is not what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in America, when I hear graphic novel, I always think of like all the memoirists who kind of use it and are like reviewed in the New Yorker and stuff. I, it's it's almost like it's become its own little genre of just people doing like memoirs about. You know, kind of trauma memoirs. That's that's not what this is. This is a comic book. Exactly. Well, everybody forgets that the Watchmen. It's like they always think of it as a graphic novel. It's like no, that was sold in comic book issues, for sure. And is awesome in comic book issues if you read it that way because the front cover and the back cover move along as they go. So it's it's like it's it's like a special thing if you read it in the actual issues. But when I'm watching The Walking Dead, it's like I don't know if they do it anymore, but like based on the graphic novel. Robert Kirkman, and I love Robert Kirkman. He's, he's, I love him, but it's like based on the graphic novel, and I'm just like, call it a comic book. Come on. And Kirkman is the least like arrogant thing. He, you know, he's the most Mister Comic Book guy. He's oh. not a graphic novelist in any sort. Yeah, like see, that guy. I mean, I, you know, I love his work, and I, I love seeing like I don't know. You probably, you've definitely seen the documentary Image Revolution. And sure. Yeah. Oh, when they introduce Kirkman into that, I'm just like, oh, this guy is just like he bleeds comic books. So, yeah, great, great, fantastic human being. Yeah, I mean, it was Kirkman's manifesto in 2008 that like I'm starting to follow with this book. Like his manifesto was like we'd always did indie comics in order to work for the big two. What we should do is do big two comics in order to do indie. So this is sort of me following that manifesto a little. Mm-hmm. Um, 14 years later or whatever it is too, too many years later you didn't promise the editor that you'd be having aliens in this comic correct I'm not saying yes or no but yes <laughs> the actual I, I haven't told anybody the actual solution to what's going on with Joan is it's aliens have come down <laughs> 
No, I love that story with Kirkman. It's like he told them that it's going to be a zombie story, but it's aliens. And then by issue whatever, when the book's blowing up, they're like, when are you going to introduce those aliens? He's like, I just... That was bullshit. <laughs> There's no aliens. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we we love the book. Hey, there's still some Walking Dead coming out here and there. It might be aliens yet. It's yeah, true. That is true. That is true. It's been so much. You guys are awesome. I could talk with you guys all day, but Tom's got work to do, and he's got a dog that needs some loving. I do. She does need some loving. Roxy. Like they're chewing on a blanket. Now you got you to name. I show you my floor, but it's so Oh, there she is. You can see her. There she is. <laughs> you got to name one of your uh, characters in uh, in this book, Roxy. Oh, I should name a character Roxy. Yeah, that's. But I feel bad because I'm. I mean, Roxy is the joy of my life, so I couldn't put Roxy through anything bad. My kids always ask me because I name things after their friends. I name mm-hmm. things after our neighbors. I name people, and they're like, "Why don't you put us in there?" And I was like, "I just don't want to do bad things to, to characters." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you could do like street signs. My my, my daughter did come up come up with the name Joan. That was her idea. Oh, okay. so she, she oh, at least cool. named Joan. Yeah. yeah. My daughter's twelve now. Um, we were at the dinner table and I was telling her a story. I was like, I need like a generic. The, what's the most generic name? And she's like Joan. And then because I already had Peterson is the most popular name in the U.S. So I was like, oh, Joan Peterson. It sounded just yeah. That's when like, jo- Joan Crawford rolled in her grave that day. Yeah, she's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> she got her wire hangers out. She's like, I'm coming after you. <laughs> Joan Crawford jokes for the young kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Joan Rivers probably left, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Enough. That's all the Jones I know. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much. And yeah, I probably should get, uh, get going and, and get to, uh, write the stupid script I have to write. Tom, if you're ever at C2E2, I'm going to come by the table and say hi. Please, please. I, I should. I'm not doing it this year. They moved it this year. It's like earlier. It's a yeah. weird time. It's, a, it's actually August. Yeah. Yeah, August. it's in August. And it's, I'm used to being in the fall. Then. Yeah. Um, so I love C2E2. It's one of my favorite cons back in the day. They had the best food, you know, in that middle sort of aisle. They're, like, it's, like you. I mean, we're used to such crappy food at cons. It's just like a little better. So, it's like, yeah, yeah, um, and it's, yeah. Seats, but uh, I went last. I mean, it was it was the first con before the end times, or the last con before the end times. I, I was I was there for that. I was there for or, that one as well. Wearing gloves. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Elsa, if you ever make it over here, I'm gonna have you sign this poster. Yeah, I'll be at New York Comic Con. Oh, awesome. Guys, thank you, thank you so much. This is awesome. I think our listeners are going to love this, and I want them to add this comic, uh, Love Everlasting, to their poll list because it is a blast to read. So yeah. thank, seriously, thank you so guys. Much. Thank you Thank you, so you guys. Much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.